coming up on episode 201 of Wheel Bearings. We talk about driving the 2021 Toyota Sienna, the Polestar 2, the Subaru Forester Sport, the, Bron- the Ford Bronco Sport, the Ford F-150 Hybrid. And in the news, we discuss the new 2022 Infiniti QX60, the, the grill of the 2022 Toyota Tundra, which leaked out this week, the uh, new Ferrari 296 GTB, and Nicole and I discuss our impressions of our first drives in the new 2021 Ford Bronco, and we answer some listener questions. All that coming up next. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. is Wheel Bearings, episode 201. I am Sam Abul Samad from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakeland from Auto Bytel. I am Roberto Baldwin from Engadget. <laughs> I have to think of somebody. Welcome back. And uh, since, since we last recorded, uh, Nicole and I have uh, both been traveling a little bit. It was actually my first trip outside of the state of Michigan for almost 18 months. Woo-hoo. And we'll, uh, we'll get to what we were, what we were, what we were traveling to see uh, a little later on in the show. But <clears throat> excuse me, before we start on the garage, I just want to uh, uh, take a moment to thank our uh, Patreon patrons. Uh, uh, we've got some new ones. We've got J- uh, Jeffrey David Maraschini. Sorry if I mispronounced your uh, last name there. Larry Bailey and Casey Jones, and uh, thank all of our patrons for supporting the show. And um, if you're interested, you can go to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. The link is on on our site, wheelbearings.media, um, and uh, you can help uh, keep the show going. And now to begin the garage, let's start with Nicole. Oh, we start with me. Okay. What have you been driving? Um, 
Yeah. Last week it was this great big huge truck. This week another truck. Um, I have the F-150, but I have the hybrid, which I have to say was really funny because I saw it sitting in the driveway and I'm like, oh, an F-150 and I didn't catch the hybrid part when I went to go in and sit down. And I'm turning it on. I'm like, what? Is this, oh, for crying out loud, woman, it's a hybrid. Like, I literally got stymied by the, where's the <laughs> Oh, because it was so quiet. Yeah, I'm like, where's the engine? <laughs> what is happening? It's like, wait a minute. I look at the Monroney. Oh, it's a hybrid. Uh, so I have I drove this actually several times. I have it this week, and I also had it at uh, the launch drive that they did back in, like, December or whatever. Uh, I like this. I, I think it's a good truck. I like that it's... See, I'm not a fan of, like, pick... Because I don't use pickup trucks to go you know, haul bales of hay and, you know, snowmobiles and dirt bikes. Don't forget the mulch. mulch. I don't, yeah. Although we we are doing yard work this weekend, (laughs) so that may change. Um, But, so I like that this doesn't feel quite as big. I have a shorter bed on this, so it doesn't have that overwhelming, like, I can't get into a parking space kind of size. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think it's a good size. And I like the hybrid. I think it's a good powertrain it's smooth it, you you don't know it's a hybrid except for the fact that suddenly you don't hear the engine <laughs> as i've mentioned uh so i'm a fan and i love okay today i went with my daughter to get cookies at this place called crumble that makes these amazing cookies and they're always hot when you get them but they're also really big and they fall apart we were trying to eat them in the car and i literally had shown them the little fold-out table thing in the center console when i first got it and my the, husband the workspace the workspace. My husband and daughter were totally unimpressed. They're like, when would you use that? I'm like, I don't know, but you could. And my daughter was trying to balance this long box of cookies, like on the console. And she both at the same time, wait, the table. We flip the thing down and we have the cookies. <laughs> like there's your use case scenario right there. I, so- I used it for my computer. I had to do, I have, there's a lot of times where I'm out in a car and I have to stop and pull over and do work. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Ooh, I'll put the, the shifter down and yeah i i thought i know they say it's a workspace but i i kind of think it's the perfect lunch space like you know when you're eating you have to eat on the run and you've you know you've got that the french fries and all this you could you have a little tiny little table you can sit there for a minute take your stuff out uh, so or eat your crumble cookies because they're amazing um yeah so i've i've enjoyed it i haven't had a lot of time with it yet because uh like sam we were off in texas driving some things for a couple days earlier in the week uh, but I I do like the F-150 hybrid. I think it's great. I think it's nice that we have a really good um, hybrid option out there from Ford. I think hybrids are good. So, Have you pulled out all your tools and plugged them into the, the outlets in the bed yet? <laughs> no, but you know, it was funny. I was showing all that stuff to Russ. And like I said, we're doing all this yard work and stuff. He's like, oh, so I could plug things in. I'm like, yes, feel free to play with the truck. So that'll be this weekend's adventure, I think, yeah. really getting to use it. And, and, and you can nice. clamp some stuff to the tailgate. Yeah, it's got those clamps. You can, you can clamp stuff right. to the tailgate. Exactly. Yeah. I wish. I kind of wish and, we'd had And you can measure actually. things and cut things. Yes, mm-hmm. I kind of wish we'd had it last. Oh, were you doing we some work? camping? So if we had if we had had it when we were camping and been able to sort of camp slash tailgate out of the back of that thing, it would have been pretty cool. Um, but we yeah, played. So. Could have used it to brew your coffee and. Yeah. Right, I might still just go out there Saturday morning and brew coffee just for kicks and giggles. <laughs> we we played yeah. Mario Kart in the middle of a field on a big screen TV. Did you? Yeah. That's cool. That's all you <laughs> need. Like, oh, look at this! Take that camping. Yeah. Take that. Take, take a big, it. you know, stick a big fifty-five inch or sixty-five inch yeah. TV in the back, you know, the bed of your truck, and hook up your, 
your uh, your your switch and your TV and and all and your speakers. Get some good powered speakers. And I mean, I get the appeal of it, like to have all that because you think about the times you do take your truck out and you're you know your places where you're loaded up with stuff and having fun in the outdoors. It doesn't mean that you want to you know not have any creature comfort whatsoever. So it's kind of fun to have that ability to power all that stuff if you want to not like you're necessarily going to bring your big screen tv though if you want to sam feel free but just to be able to power (laughs) small things like that that's that's kind of neat i think it's a neat idea and i think it's something that people who are living with a truck every day as opposed to necessarily doing heavy duty truck work it makes it a very livable thing to have just when you're doing random you know it makes it easier for people who are you know you're just doing stuff around the yard or you're doing you know you are camping i think that makes it a more livable truck mm-hmm. or when you're driving down the road and you see an ev sitting on the shoulder with a dead battery you can always pull over and be a good samaritan and let them plug their car into your truck and no, you know sit there suffer. give them a little bit of a charge enough of a enough of a wow, charge to call. get to a charging You're station drive by and go i have power <laughs> just keep going <laughs> <laughs> sucker no <laughs> I, I could stop and let you charge up but eh, never mind but there no i'm just gonna keep driving charge <laughs> so yeah so i um, i d- do does like the, does the truck you have have the um, the 7.2 kilowatt hour pro power on board with the 240 volt outlet or just the base version with the two and a half kilowatts? I think it's just the base. I'm double checking my Monroney that I can't read. Um, so I don't have an answer for you, Sam. <laughs> it's very <All> right. dark. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> and and uh, what, what trim level have you got? I have the, what trim level do I have? Oh my gosh. I have the, I want to say it's a platinum. Does that make sense? I believe it's the platinum. Yeah. Um, yeah, could be. It has the fanciest interior. Like, I love when they get carried away with the leather interiors inside of trucks. It's like you put it in a luxury car and it's like, oh, it's just going to be this elegant quilted leather and it's going to be, you know, so tasteful. Trucks are like leather like you're a cowboy on the range. And that's kind of what this looks like. <laughs> They just laid a dead cow and then just yeah, cut everything just around it. Yeah, they just put the cowhide right on there. Yeah. Just cut out the shapes and just stapled them down. And or, like, there's your goddamn or, or, luxury. Or, or, it could, <laughs> yeah. or it could be a limited. The uh, the limited is actually the most expensive one. Then it must. That's that one starts at. It starts at seventy three thousand uh, dollars. I also have not the exact price on my Monroney, so. Oh. That wasn't my hint. I couldn't go with that either. So I'm going a little blind on the exact trim, and I should have looked at the back before I hopped. I assumed I had everything on this. But, <laughs> but uh, she's shaking. So her you came in unprepared. Uh, I did come in unprepared. Yes. It, <laughs> I'll admit it. You need to uh, complain to your prepared. local fleet manager you know, to put all to put I, all that stuff online. I just I just had a Monroney that. I don't know. It's it's you can't read it, so, which I discovered, not, yeah. um, which is which is not very I'm like, useful. I'm like, I'll just grab the Monroney and that will have the details. Shoot. No, it doesn't. Or it does. But you can't see him. <laughs> Super psych. So. All right. So so if it, if it was a platinum hybrid, uh, that's that's a seventy seven thousand dollar truck, which is um, not inexpensive, to say the least. I mean, you know, that that's more than a lot of luxury cars. Yeah. Yeah, but it's kind of like, I mean, you would pay that for a luxury car because you want 
whatever cachet the luxury car has, right? You want to be able to say you drive mm-hmm. a whatever, an Infiniti, or you drive a Lexus, or you drive a Land Rover, or whatever it is that you think makes you look and feel good about your car, right? It, it, it's impressive to others, and it just makes you feel good to have that brand as your vehicle. If that's how you feel about a truck, and you want to spend $77,000 in a truck, have at it, you know? I don't think yeah. everybody's going to do that. It's your money. But I mean, if, if it's your money, and if that's what you that's what you enjoy, then I say do it. And I I don't think a ton of people are going to spend that kind of money on a truck, but it is, you know, at least if you're spending that in a truck with a, there's only so much you can do with an SUV, a truck like this has a lot of versatility and you can do a lot with it. So it's not like you're buying something that you're, you're going to find like, I need another vehicle to do all these things. Nope. It's pretty much going to do whatever it is that you need to have done. Or you think you're going to do And That's the the truck sells. (laughs) Yeah. And, and and in a twisted sort of way, uh, you're actually supporting the uh, you know the transition to electrification because the profits from the seventy seven thousand dollar truck, which are quite prodigious, help to fund <laughs> that thirty billion dollars that Ford has promised to invest in electric vehicles over the next four years. Exactly. So you know you are you are paying for the future of transportation with you this truck. You are paving the way for future generations to have their all EV lifestyle. Yes. So go spend seventy seven thousand dollars on the top Ford F one fifty hybrid that you could possibly buy and feel good about it. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a perfectly good rationalization go. to me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what What about you, Roberto? What have you been driving? I didn't drive anything as big as a truck. I, I drove two vehicles. I'm still driving the second one, but they both could probably fit. Well, anyway, I drove the uh, Subaru Forester. If you park them end to end, they might fit within the length of an F-150. Yeah, Maybe. Um, uh, The first vehicle was a Subaru Forester Sport. Um, I I, I like to break up the the Subaru fan club um, because people who buy Subarus just love Subarus, typically. It is is almost a cult-like. But there is the utilitarian Subaru people. These are the people like, oh, I need all-wheel drive because I live in the mountains and, you know, I want to – I have five dogs. They're all golden retrievers. You know, there's, there's that group and then there's the performance group people who buy wrx dstis the brzs i fit into the second group the performance group but i appreciate uh what the forester is um even though it is very it is pokey um and i i absolutely hate that cvt but at the same time i'm like oh i could just put so many things in here it's kind of like as i get older i'm like you know, maybe I don't need, you know, a lot of power just to go to the store. Maybe, you know, I, I shouldn't be driving 10, 10. I shouldn't be practicing my drifting while I go to the post office. That's oh, but the, I think that's <laughs> exactly when you're going to pa- practice your drifting. Because <laughs> well, yeah, you go around the corner. There's a, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I, I, I uh, part of me uh, actually liked the car, even though, again, there's all these little caveats um, that the regular drivers don't care about. That's that's in, and the the regular Subaru fan is totally fine with, um, but there but then there's the part of me is like man this this it, it's, you need a bigger come on, <laughs> you need a bigger <laughs> engine, or you need to throw a throw a turbo on here and man this car would be so much better if it had a manual transmission if you just even just getting rid of that CVT, and putting in a manual transmission even with that you know that 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 uh that that small motor uh that small engine. It would, 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 would That's got the car. two liter, right? Yeah, I think it's a hundred and 
80, I have it written down somewhere in a script. I said it like 50 times and now I can't remember it because then I had two other videos I did after it. So now all the cars are mushed together in my brain. Um, it's not, yeah, it, it is not a fast car and by any means. Whenever you, when you put the, uh, when you put the hammer down, um, all you do is get lots of like really weird noise from the Rah! like it's you know <laughs> like why it's essentially the car screaming why while uh, while you're trying to, to 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 push it to its limit quote unquote um, you can throw a lot of stuff in it you can fill it full of mulch uh, you know and. Uh, you, <laughs> It's, but it's, it's very, not a truck. No, you can't. It's not a truck. <laughs> you know, and it, it's it's actually pretty comfortable. Um, and and I, I appreciate the uh, Subaru's sort of dedication to having uh, um, a dash that is uncluttered and like this is the stuff you need. There it is. It's been in the exact same spot for the last I don't know twenty years. <laughs> If it ain't broke, don't fix <laughs> don't it. Sort fix of it. idea. Uh, they do have their infotainment system, which is you know it's essentially looks like a you know an Android tablet that's plugged in. It's fine. It works. It's not a big deal. That secondary uh, screen that they have above uh, the infotainment system on the dash, that's kind of nice. You know, you get a little a quick view at your MPG or the, the you know the weather or whatever else information you know the the time of day, etc. And yeah, it's, it's, it is a, oh, and it's also, there's a ton of visibility because it's like sitting in a giant fishbowl because the <laughs> windows on the Forester are just so tall. You just feel like you're in a, a giant greenhouse. <laughs> it is just so, <laughs> it just feels so spacious for It for sounds a like it's like a special edition, the Forester fishbowl. <laughs> the Forester fishbowl. And I, I, I love the idea that they called it a sport. When there's literally nothing sporty about it, other than the little well, it it does have those red it? accents. Yeah, it has the like black wheels. Sporty. Yeah, and it's it has hard the... to deny that red is sporty. It is, yeah, that's true. So it has a little accents, and I've always been a fan of the the that sort of weird, quirky, boxy station wagon look of the Forester, and they 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 keep they they've stayed with it, they've stuck with it, which means that you know the the you know the storage area in the back isn't cut off by a you know by a sport back or you know a slanted, whatever you know you're you're a more more of the cubic. It's a proper wagon. Some, yeah, it's a proper wagon. It's just a really tall wagon. It's it's you know they now it's an SUV because it's a little bit taller but the reality is the Forester is just a wagon, um, it's always been a wagon as far as I'm concerned it'll always be a wagon. You you can't call it a wagon in the U.S. because people hate station wagons. We yes haven't. I know. So yes. it, it could be one. It could be the most wagony looking wagon ever, but it is not a wagon. It's the most wagon <laughs> yeah. that's ever it, wagoned. Yeah. That's yes, a, that's but a, yet that's not a wagon. But, but it's an SUV. You, you add one yeah. one inch longer coil springs and. And you know some black, you know matte black wheel arches, and it's an SUV. <laughs> that's all it takes. That, that's, that's all it, it takes. All, that's it. That, that is literally all it takes. Yeah, that, it yeah. is. Yeah. That, yeah. That's it. I mean, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I don't so, even think it takes you know, that. Remember, I think it takes remember, someone who just changes the word wagon to SUV in yeah. their press release. Boom, done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so. You you do have to do a little something. I mean, there have been attempts by by marketing people to you know call something a crossover um, when you know without without having gone to that effort of you know raising it half an inch to an inch yeah. and putting those black wheel arches on there, and it's a complete failure. Case in point, the Chevrolet Bolt. Yeah, and they launched it. <laughs> they called it a crossover. Did they really? You know, yeah. Uh, yes, they, they, they tried. Called it a crossover and because it has a tall laughed. roof. Everyone oh, laughed. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's clearly not a crossover. 
It's a it's a hat that's a compact hatchback. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that except that Americans don't want to buy those. Yeah. But they recognize that without the extra one inch of 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 uh, you know spring height and the black wheel arches, it's clearly not an SUV or a crossover. It it <laughs> yeah. is clearly a car at that point. If they had just added those wheel arches, it, without even lifting it up, just adding the wheel arches probably would have been all they needed to do. Yeah, you didn't even have to lift it up. Um, so yeah, yeah I, it's uh, 29 miles per gallon. I got 26.3, I believe, uh, as I was driving around. Um, I ended up driving a lot more than I, 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 I had anticipated. I was like, oh man, I haven't driven this car enough. And then I looked down, and it was like I was at like 300 miles. I was like, oh, oh, I guess I have. So it's yeah, it's so <laughs> it is a. So it's, it's, you know, it's comfortable. So it's so it's, inoffensive, it's, you didn't even realize it. Yeah, you're just like, oh, this is a night. You're just kind of cruising around. It's got a nice ride. It's not, yeah. It's it's it is a it it is it is a perfectly adequate for the Subaru people who all are about the utilitarian utilitarian aspect of a Subaru. Uh, for the the performance folks, um, eventually, because we know we no longer have the STI in the wagon or the STR in the WRX wagon in this country. Um, you know, this or the Outback is your probably what you're gonna, what you're thinking about when you want to get something for the family, but you want to stick to the to the Subaru, or you can get the Ascent, which is I don't know, bigger or the Crosstrek, I guess too. I don't know. I, I like the Outback and the Forester more than I like the Crosstrek. I don't know why. I think it's I think it's just I I feel like the Crosstrek, even though they sell billions of them because it's an SUV, it's a crossover. Everybody um, loves the Crosstrek. <laughs> Excuse yeah. me. People love it. Like it's they love just, it. They love yeah, it. it. I, I think there's like three people on my street that own one. So it's like, I feel like I see it all the time. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's, I think mm-hmm. there's their best-selling vehicle. So anyway, Crosstrek, that's probably what you're going to get. If you need a little bit more space, uh, you get the Forester. If you need even more space, I guess you get the Ascent. And then I drove the uh, the Bronco Sport. Now, I've, I've, I've only driven it to Santa Cruz and back. I've had it for a few days. So I'm, I'm prefacing my my everything with that. Um, I am not impressed at all with the Bronco Sport. Really? Like Why? Right, right off the bat, the steering feels very rubbery. Like just I'm like, what is happening with the steering? I, I, I am not a fan of the steering. Um, it's uh, it's a Ford Escape. It's just a really pretty looking Ford Escape. That's and that's what it comes down to. And, and the Ford Escape Ford sells, I don't know, seven, eight billion of those every year. They're going to sell, you know, 10 billion of the Bronco Sport because it looks nice. It's the Ford Escape. But I, it's just I I expected more. I think when you have this anticipation for a vehicle and, I, you know, the anticipation is even higher for the Bronco, which you guys can fight about later. Um, but the Bronco Sport. And we will. Um, we will. Uh, the Bronco Sport, I just felt like, okay, okay, this is, you know, I, you know, I'd read some stuff. People seem to like it, and I just cannot get excited about it, and I, it, I think, I feel like it really let me down. <laughs> it's really let me down so far. Aww. It just, it feels just uninspired outside of the design. It's just like, eh, it just feels, eh. You know what I think is funny about the Bronco Sport is the number of people that, you know, there's the two-door, four-door Bronco and the Bronco Sport, and they're not the same. They're not just like different trims. They're, yeah, in the they're same completely vehicle. different. They're completely yeah. different. And in talking to 
um, just regular Joes on the street, the number of people that don't understand that, like people who are really hardcore get it, but like, oh yeah, I saw a Bronco. I'm like, no, you saw the Bronco sport. No, I saw a Bronco. No, you didn't. Cause literally the first one shipped to consumers <laughs> like two days ago, you have not seen one yet and people don't understand. So I wonder how much, uh, genuine confusion there is like, man, this isn't as off-roady and cool as I thought it was. I'm like, cause it's not a Bronco. It's a Bronco. Sport. Yeah. I, I, you know? I had people come up like, Oh, you got the Bronco. And I kept yeah. having to say, no, it's, it's the Bronco. Sorry. Exactly. Well, what do you think about it? I'm all, I think it looks, I like the design of the Bronco sport a lot. I like the, I like the top. I like the front. I like the back, everything about it. And then I get in it and then I drive it. And I'm just like, eh. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it's a Ford escape, which I've always been pretty eh about i think i did an escape launch and ford asked me so what do you think i'm all you're gonna sell a lot of these so it doesn't matter what i think and they're like oh yeah okay i'm like no it just but they're actually sell selling more bronco sports than they are escapes it's oh, yeah, because it looks the escape by quite a because yeah. it, it looks cool and it, it does cool. look cute and the name you because all those people are saying i have a bronco no you don't you have a bronco sport but that's not <laughs> what they're telling their friends they're saying i have a bronco <laughs> So for everyone, nobody knows there's a difference. Here's the thing: is like if you have the choice between a, a Ford Escape and a Bronco Sport, I would just buy the Bronco Sport. It's a cooler car. It it's is. not. It, yeah. it, it just looks cooler. Um, the infotainment, I love. You know that that Ford's grabbed a lot of the the infotainment mm-hmm. sort of insanity that Lincoln has, um, and and put it in in the dash. And so you know, I, I you know I like that dash cluster. I think that it. it <sighs> It has all the little horse, the little Broncos galloping everywhere. Actually, I love that they, what they did with the infotainment. I used to hate Sync, whatever Sync before it was Sync Four. Yeah. It was Sync makes you want to hit it with a sledgehammer, and I've totally turned the corner now. <laughs> it and was I Sync ju- Smack. It was Sync Smack because that's what you're doing all the time, and it, it was just I really truly used to hate it, and I'm like I actually really like this now. Like it's not just like as if it got better. It's like leaps and bounds better than what it was i genuinely like it and i like that they have great their screens aren't you know five inch screens in their base yeah. trims they give you screens you can actually see yeah you get a proper screen there's mm-hmm. not a lot of latency that i could see um it's easy to connect things to it uh yeah there's a i mean there's a lot to like about the bronco sport outside of the driving experience for me but <laughs> again, which engine do you have that it has the uh, the 1.5 uh, EcoBoost with the eight-speed automatic transmission. Okay. Uh, I got the Outer Banks four by four. I haven't had a chance to take it off-road. Um, I really don't think I need to go to the off-road park with this. It's not. It's it's the Bronco Sport. <laughs> it can do well, off-road. I mean, it can I, do off-road. Yeah, I mean, they, I, actually, yeah. they ran when I did the Rebel Rally. They ran three Bronco Sports in the Rebel Rally, and. So, so All three of them made it to the end. So, I mean, there's a crossover and, and a 4x4 when, class. It was a crossover class, but still, it ain't easy. So here's yeah. here's my thought no. about um, off-roading with an, a, a generally is that a lot of the, the sort of off-roading is just a dirt road. Um, when I was a teenager, I would take my dad's uh, late 70s Dodge Aspen station wagon off-roading <laughs> all the time. And I would get it sideways. And I would just fly. I would pass other four, other you know, big, you know, a lot. You know, I'm from a small town, so a lot of people had big raised like Toyota trucks or whatever. I'd just be blah, barreling past them. <laughs> so all, you know, other you know, off-roading stuff like just the regular SUV stuff. I could do that with my Honda Civic in the 90s. I could do that with a <laughs> 70s Dodge Aspen. I'm not that impressed with the the the. the whoa, you gonna? I can do that with the Forester. I can do it with. I could probably do it with my BRZ. I could do it with the Jag in my I'm driveway. I'm trying to give it a little bit of credit for doing. Tw- 
1200 miles in the dirt and the rugged and the rubble and the hills and the sand dunes. Yeah, a I mean, credit. I'm going to give it a little I'll credit give, for that. I'll give it a little credit, but I'll give most of the credit to the drivers. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the Bronco Sport, you know, one thing that does differentiate it from the Escape besides the looks is it does actually have a proper four-wheel drive system. It's not, it's not all-wheel drive. So it's, it's a full-time four-wheel drive. Uh, it's got a locking rear diff uh, and, you know, a bunch of other things in there. So it, it does actually have, you know, beyond just, you know, dirt roads. I mean, it can actually go places that, you know, you probably wouldn't want to go with, with that Aspen. Um, I mean, you although, could, you know, but the, you probably should. Yeah, the, I mean, you know, the, the Aspen wheelbase is pretty on the disposable. Aspen, the, the long wheelbase on the Aspen was his downfall. That's that's where, you know, it, yeah. it's a wagon. So, yeah, and, and you've got a sure you know, relatively short wheelbase no. on the on the Bronco <laughs> or the yeah. Bronco Sport. But, you know, the, the, the challenge, you know, I had the Bronco Sport in February, I think, February or March. Um, and, you know, we had a bunch of snow. And, uh, you know, while when I drove the Bronco, first drove the Bronco Sport last fall when they did the, the launch drive, and, you know, we went to an off road park uh, here, near here. And, uh, you know, it, it's actually fairly capable, you know, crawling over rocks and, you know, going up steep hills and, and all this stuff, uh, you know, where, where there isn't much traction. But it doesn't have as much ground clearance as the big Bronco. Yeah. And, you know, it, it in, feels, in, in wet, heavy snow, they're, you know, the tires, even though they are technically all-terrain tires, didn't really have enough traction to, to pull it through, even with four-wheel drive. And I actually did manage oh. to get it stuck in some in some did deep snow because really? it basically just bot it, yeah just bottomed out, you know um, you know it was sitting on the skid plates on on the snow and the tires just couldn't get any grip you know I was just sitting there spinning all four tires and it's like so I had oh. to get some assistance to to extract it but um, you know other than that you know it, it it is you know it I I found it you know pretty good I, the one I had was the uh, was the two liter. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's got you know quite a bit more power. Um, you know, you're right though. I think you know the, the steering's not the steering feels not great on it, but you know it's it was okay. <laughs> it's uh, okay. But, but you know, ge right. generally, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a fine vehicle to live with, and you know, with that high roof, um, you know, one of the cool things is they you know they offer uh, an accessory bike rack that you can put inside, and you can put two mountain bikes inside the thing you know because because it, it's tall enough that you can actually fit them standing up inside which is which is a nice feature you don't have to leave them sitting outside but uh, and I, you know, I, there's a bunch of other details that they have i'm always surprised every time i get out of the car how low it is as an suv for i always feel like yeah. i'm slamming my foot down and it's and, <laughs> yeah. and i was like oh geez oh okay like you um, missed the last step coming down the stairs yeah, exactly. oh, <laughs> I'm like oh gosh yeah, um so it's, it's only it's only about an inch the, the or the you know it, it's about an inch higher than the uh um escape uh, you know, the roof line is, is several inches higher but the, you know from the floor like when you step out it's only about an inch more than when you get in the escape it, it essentially has the same ground clearance as the Forester. So the Forester is 8.7 <laughs> and the uh, Bronco is 8.8. .8. So would you get the Forester yeah. or would you get the Bronco? I would Which get the Forester. You... That's, and, that's, and, and even though I hate that CVT, if I had the choice, I would get the Forester. Even though I, I absolutely hate the CVT and the Forester, I don't like the steering in the Bronco more. Okay. Fair. Okay. Because Fair I enough. like to go around corners. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it's, again... Yeah. 
it, uh, Ford's going to sell a billion of them. It is a, uh, a completely adequate and good car. It looks great. Completely adequate. I love it. It is completely it's adequate. It is completely it adequate. It is, it, it's, be, hey, it's better than being inadequate. Exactly. And it has four by four, which is nice instead of all wheel drive. I don't think any, you know, 0.5% of people will use it. Um, I've gone to the off-road park a couple times. And I have seen Rangers, but I haven't seen a, a Bronco Sport yet. Um, but, you know, it's it's still early days. So we'll see. I'll, next time I go, maybe I'll take it this weekend. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll load it up. I'll, I'll cruise to the off-road park. And um, I'll, I'll <laughs> see try if you to can get it stuck. No. See if I can get it stuck. Well, eight, well yeah. Eight point. Uh, maybe I won't take it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wait a second. <laughs> I, sc- I scraped the bottom of the Wrangler on some of the stuff while I was driving, when I had that. So I'm like... <sighs> I hate the sound that even when there's like skid plates on the bottom of something and like I'm on a program and it's on purpose supposed to do it. It's like nails in a chalkboard. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, God, oh God, what am I breaking? What yeah. am I breaking? They're like nothing. They're skid plates. No, I'm breaking something. <laughs> so anyway, Bronco Sport, uh, you're going to buy it. If you love it, if you like the way it looks, if you're cool with the, the, the escape and but you want a little extra something something for four with four by four, go for it. Uh, but I would yeah. I would get in it and just go around some corners a few times just to get a, I, again, I, I it's probably, That's I feel fair. like maybe it's nitpicking on the, the end of a, an automotive journalist, regular person's going to get in there. I'm like, what the hell is this jerk off talking about? <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> nah. <sighs> All right. Well, speaking of adequate, um, I had, uh, <laughs> I had the, tw- I had a couple of vehicles. I had the 2021 Toyota Sienna, uh, which is actually more than adequate. Um, you know, for, for a minivan, you know, and I, I am a huge proponent of minivans. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, a lot of people that are driving around in SUVs and crossovers, you know, because of their family, you know, because they've got kids and stuff would be much better served by driving a minivan. And the Sienna is a great example of a minivan. You know, the, the old Sienna was very definitely, um, aged, uh, it had been, you know, it had outlived its, uh, it was well past its sell by date. Uh, but this new one is, is much, much better. But I, I, when I first, you know, when they delivered it and I walked out and I saw it in the driveway, the first thing I noticed is, is I realized that even for proper minivans, uh, you know, manufacturers are increasingly trying to make them look like crossovers. And, yes. you know, this, the Sienna is, is a prime example. Um, you know, the, the styling, when you look at it, it, it basically it's the, the new Highlander. If you kind of stretched out the body a little bit and, and lowered it down a little bit, I mean, you know, it's got the same, you know, kind of flared out bulging fenders. Um, and the, the thing that really caught my attention was looking at the hood and, you know, if, this year um, Kia launched a new version. They launched a replacement for the Sedo- their Sedona minivan, uh, which they adopted the Carnival name, which they've been using overseas. And the thing they the, – the big thing that they changed with that is, you know, again, the, the whole front end of it, instead of having a, a hood that slopes down, you know, and, you know, has that kind of minivan sort of wedgie shape to it, the hood is very horizontal, and it looks more like an SUV. It looks more truck-like than the old one did, even though the, the rest of the proportions are 
classic minivan. The same thing is true of the Sienna. The, the Sienna's hood is much more horizontal, goes out, and then drops down. And Chrysler did the same thing with the Pacifica refresh this year. They, they raised the grill up and, and tried to make it a little more crossoverish. And I'm I'm almost certain that Honda will do exactly the same thing when they redo the, the Odyssey in the next year or so. So, you know, the, and I got to thinking about this, and I realized, you know, this isn't the first time that a manufacturer has tried to do this with a minivan. Back in, uh, was it the mid-2000s sometime, uh, GM, with their minivans, before they finally discontinued them entirely, they were clearly ahead of the curve, as as they have been many times over the years. They were just they were just way ahead of their time, and the public wasn't ready for it yet. Like you know, going back to the original Cadillac V eight six four in nineteen eighty, you know, with cylinder deactivation, and then the Chevy Uplander, um, you know, when they they went from you know the classic you know stubby nose minivan shape to a more horizontal grille, trying to make it look like a crossover before they launched some some proper you know, three-row crossovers with the the, um, the Traverse and the rest of that family. And it was a it bombed because the public clearly <laughs> was not ready for that kind of minivan yet. But now it seems to be working. Or, well, we'll see. I mean, minivans are out of style anyway, but we'll see it. We'll see if this helps revive minivan sales. But everybody's well, doing Kia it Kia doesn't now. even call theirs a minivan. Kia calls it... Yeah, it's... An MPV, a, a, multi, a multi-purpose vehicle. Multi-purpose vehicle, right? So they won't even put minivan yeah. in there. It's the Kia Carnival MPV. Because yeah. minivan is a is a bad bad. It's like wagon. <laughs> yes. Wagon. And like, yeah. minivans are amazing because they do so. I, I was talking to somebody, a mother, and she was like, "Oh, well, I'm thinking about getting." You know, she was talking about all the different SUVs. I'm like, "No, you should like. You know what? Go look at the Honda Odyssey or the the Pacifica. This is before the new Sienna came out." And she's like, "What? No." I'm like, "Okay, let's and let me let me paint a scenario for you. You're carrying your child in one hand. You have a bag, you know, you have their diaper bag in the other." She's like, "Yeah." I'm all, "All you have to do is push a button and the door opens." And it all, and then you put your kid in in the thing. You don't have to like sort of struggle and then reach. It just opens for you automatically. And every time you have to put things in the back And the of seat this, is right there. You're not reaching right up and so in. Up, yeah. It's not up and in. It's not down and in like a sedan. It's perfect. It's made just for you to put your child in the car. And you know how much room you have? You have all the room in the world. However much room you think you need in an SUV, you're you're, you're going to get like almost double that in the minivan. Well, and you know what? I yeah. know a fair number of people who are empty nesters who are older, like people who are getting like retirees. They love minivans for exactly what you're saying. When they get in, everything is the right height. You don't have to step down. You don't have to step up. And if you have friends along for the ride, they're not trying to create, like you can just open those sliding doors, get right back in. If you're not as mobile as you used to be, getting in and out of a minivan is super easy and super comfortable. I like I must know at least a half a dozen people who are older who are like, no, I, I'm, I'm in a minivan. I'm like, why are you in a minivan? Because it's so easy to get in and out of. It's so easy. So, and yeah. All the seats are comfortable for normal to tall people. Mm-hmm. You're not crammed in. A third row isn't a joke. It's not like a fake third row or a third row for like toddlers. It's like a a, a, a real like oh you can put actual adult humans back here. They're really like minivans. Truly, now that you said, they're really the only. When you look at that third row, they're really the only ones that you can get into the third row without having to be something of like a contortionist. 
really because even the ones that you know you pull the seat forward it has better access they've you know it slides it moves it does so it's easier but still if you're not nimble you're like wait I gotta like hold on one shoulder sideways step up and if you it's not easy ever to get in the third row of an SUV never ever ever no it's never easy minivan though just minivan say, yeah team minivan that's the that's we're and changing the name of the podcast to team minivan <laughs> <laughs> and you know the the other the other thing that's you know di- different you know r- significantly different this year is it's got a standard hybrid powertrain so um you know, like the uh um the venza uh you know they they went toyota's going all in on hybrids and uh so that's the only powertrain. It's the same 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 setup that's in the uh, the Highlander Hybrid, the 2.5 liter four cylinder, um, and uh, with the you know power split hybrid in the front, plus an electric motor for all wheel drive on the rear axle. It, you know it's great. It's quiet. It's smooth. Um, you know it's not exciting. You know it, it's it's not like driving a Hellcat. But you know most people don't care about that. They don't want that. And certainly anybody driving a minivan, almost anybody driving a minivan probably doesn't care about that i'm sure there are people that would love to see chrysler stuff a hellcat into a pacifica but uh <laughs> you know the see yeah the the sienna hybrid powertrain's great um i didn't quite manage to match the uh, the epa fuel economy rating which is 35 miles per gallon i only got about 31 um but uh you know still you know 30 plus miles per gallon in a minivan you know is phenomenal you know i mean that's that's really outstanding and, uh, you know, I think that anybody that buys this thing is, is you know, is going to be really happy with it, you know, if, if, it's, if it's the type of thing that, that suits your needs and your lifestyle. Um, you know, it's got all the, all the safety features that Toyota is making standard on all their vehicles now. Um, this was the XSE, so it was, you know, completely, you know, maxed out with everything. It had the rear seat entertainment system, um, you know, a 1,500-watt uh, inverter, you know, so you've got... Lots of power, you know. If you if you do take it for a camping trip, you know it's got enough power from that uh, 120 volt outlet to to power your um, your coffee maker, uh, inclu- complete with a grinder without tri- tripping a circuit breaker. Um, it's got uh, you know all really nice leather interior, four zone climate control. It's got all the all the goodies in there, um, and it still has Toyota Entune, which is. You know, well, we've talked about that before. Yeah. We don't need to discuss it anymore. Uh, but it does have support for it. Uh, car, car. Yeah, yeah. Plug your phone <laughs> in, use your CarPlay or Android Auto, and you're good to go. Uh, that's that's all you need. Um, and uh, delivered price forty eight thousand twenty nine dollars, um, which Ooh. is you know it's, it's pretty steep. But uh, you know it's <laughs> cheaper than a lot of uh, you know it's it's no more than most crossovers. Um, yeah, and you can you can certainly get it you know for more like thirty thousand dollars if you can live without some of the uh, some of the nicer amenities. Because uh, you know really you know everybody's got tablets and phones and stuff. So who needs to pay fourteen hundred bucks for the rear seat entertainment? You know and and you know you can. You can get, you know, the, you know, slightly lower end interior. If you've got kids, you know, you probably don't want the really fancy interior anyway. You know, you want something that's e- going to be easy to clean and, and everything. So, um, no, it's, it's, it's a really good minivan. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be curious to see if Toyota launches uh, uh, a Sienna Prime with a plug-in hybrid uh, at some point, you know, to go up against the Pacifica hybrid. Um 
because you know they're they're doing you know the uh, the Rav Four Prime is doing quite well, and so I, I think mm. I wouldn't be surprised if next year we get a Sienna Prime to go along with it. Oh yeah, um, yeah, the, that would the, sense. The, yeah. The the other vehicle I have had <clears throat> um, just for a, a long weekend was the Polestar Two. Finally got into that one, and um, you know this is it's an electric Volvo, um, which is nothing wrong with that. That's it's a very good thing. Um, you know, it's it's a, a a sedan, sort of a a tall sedan shaped five door hatchback, um, which uh, actually you know given you know the size of the vehicle, you know it's sort of a more compact size, um, you know with a fastback roofline, which means that if they had made it an actual sedan, it would have had a really tiny trunk opening. So you know it's actually a lot better to make it a hatchback because you can actually get stuff in. You know you can fold down the rear seats. You got lots of cargo space for for all your stuff. Um, you know it. You look at it. You know it. It looks like a Volvo. Um, you know I think we've seen con- you know uh, some Polestar concepts recently that kind of the styling is starting going to start to diverge away from the Volvo design language or at least the current Volvo design language. We don't know what the next generation Volvo language looks like, which apparently uh, sounds like it's going to be quite a bit different from a conversation I had with somebody earlier this week. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, it, you know, it's cert- the, the Polestar 2 certainly looks like a, a current generation Volvo, complete with the Thor's hammer, you know, signature lighting in the headlamp clusters. Um, the, the only thing about this car that I was not crazy about was it has a very high belt line, and so when you're sitting in it, you know the 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 you know the uh, the window sills are up above my shoulders, you know, and I'm you know I'm not as tall as you, Robbie, but I you know I have a long torso, so it's unusual for me to feel like I'm sitting so low in a car, um, you know, and you know so visibility is not great, uh, but aside from that, you know I I like the rest of it, you know the interior, you know is you'll if you've driven any Volvo in recent years, you'll instantly feel pretty much right at home, you know, with the steering wheel, the, um, the, the shifter. Um, it does have a new center console with a larger display, and this is the first model they've launched with, um, with the Android Automotive infotainment system that is replacing Census, which, um, you know, we have complained about regularly in, in, in past years on this show, uh, before you guys arrived. Um, it, so this is a system, you know, it's a version of Android that is specifically set up for for cars. And unlike the version of Android Automotive that Chrysler is using in the Pacifica and other new models, uh, Chrysler has, or Stellantis has opted not to use uh, Google Automotive services. So you don't get things like the Google Play Store, Google Maps, Google Assistant. They have, you know, Amazon Alexa and um, TomTom Maps and, and you know, other various other services that they're putting in there. Uh, Volvo and Polestar are going all in on on the Google services. So you do have Google Maps and and uh, the Google Assistant. When you get in the car for the first time, you can log <clears throat> sign into your Google account. And you know, if you have previously trained Google Assistant to recognize your voice, once you sign in, you just say, OK, G, and <laughs> it pops up and it'll recognize your voice. And uh, you can give it all the same kind of commands you use with your phone or your Google Home devices, you know, what, whatever other devices you've got that run the Assistant. Um, 
works really well. There's the, the Play Stores on there with a selection of assorted apps that you can download. You've got the, the full-blown Google Maps, uh, which, you know, when you're using Maps, shows up right in the instrument cluster and gives you, uh, you know, shows you your directions right in the cluster there along with your, your speed and state of charge. Uh, you know, the system worked really well. And it, it also does have support for Apple CarPlay. So if you are an Apple, an iPhone user, you can connect your iPhone and you can use CarPlay instead of Google Assistant, but, um, or, uh, you know, instead of the Google stuff. So, you know, I found that the system worked really well. You know, it was a responsive system and, you know, this is, it's a new interface. You know, I thought it was pretty well laid out, uh, easy to use. And, um, yeah, and, and then the electric powertrain, um, you know, to come standard with a dual motor, 402 horsepower, uh, set up 78 uh, kilowatt hour battery. It's officially rated at 233 miles, um, and the it defaults to a low regen setting, so it behaves more like a conventional gas car. If you put it in the the one pedal driving mode with maximum regen, the uh, you know you will get more range. You know, and it it uh, you know as soon as I did that, it popped the. Uh, um, the range, the estimated driving range from up from 230 to 250 miles. Uh, I didn't drive it all the way to, you know, to to uh, uh, just you know to completely deplete it, but uh, I you know I put about 160 miles on it, and you know it had it still had plenty of range left, and I think it could probably easily make 250 miles if you're driving it in one pedal mode. So uh, and it's quick, you know, it's zero to 60 is about four and a half seconds. Um, so it's probably the quick, quicker than any current Volvo, um, and uh, it's I I really enjoyed it except for the high belt line that was my only real complaint. It feels like the car's like ten percent too tall, like in between <laughs> the, 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 the 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 bottom of the and and the belt line from the bottom. It just feels yeah. like it feels like you look at it and you're like oh this is cool. Then you look at it again and you're like oh wait this why is this why is it so chunky between here and here? <laughs> yeah, it, it does. Uh, but it does have quite a chunky look to it. Yeah, it feels like, especially when you look at the Polestar 1, which was so sleek and sort of beautiful mm-hmm. and aerodynamic. And I, I think without the Polestar 1, people would look at this and be like, oh, this is this is really nice. But when you put it next to it, you're like, oh, it's like its little chunky brother. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, but I, yeah, yeah, I, I just, liked it. Yeah, yeah I mean, this shares its, the same platform as the XC40. And you can now get the XC40 recharge, which has the same electric powertrain in it. Yeah, you know, with the XC40 body on it, and uh, I'm gonna have to get my hands on one of those and, and try it out because I know I, I I didn't have that same feeling of it feeling too the sides feeling too tall in the, in the XC40 when I drove it. Um, so I want to compare that. And I, this might be one chi- one time when I actually prefer a, a crossover is crossover version to the sort of crossoverish sedan type uh, vehicle. Driving, I haven't driven both. I, I, I still like the, the Polestar 2. Again, I'm, I'm, I have a very long torso and long arms. So mm-hmm. it, it, I think for, for me, it's not that much of an issue. But I think the rest of the human race will have probably a little <laughs> bit more. Where you're like, you know, you want to yeah. put your arm up on the on the window <laughs> seal. But now your arm's like, like up up over <laughs> by your ear. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, okay, now I kind of look like a, like a vulture. It's like the <laughs> handlebars on the, on the motorcycles where yeah. they're like holding the motorcycles. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, on the little choppers. You feel like you're yeah, an easy rider. Yeah, the where their hands are like, yeah, yeah their hands sissy are like bars. a foot and a half above your head. You got the sissy big, bars? You got sissy what, yeah. bars for your, but for your, your Volvo or your Polestar. 
Your Volvo Polestar. Yeah, it, it's I, I, yeah, it's 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 an EV that's it's, it's from a startup, well, quote unquote startup that's uh, that has all the the niceties of a of a Volvo. You're like, oh, I feel okay buying yeah. this because I know it's really kind of it's a Volvo. At least for and now. Well, and you know, they, they they just announced this week uh, that the next Polestar model, um, the Polestar Three, is going to be a, a, an actual crossover, and it's going to be built starting next year in uh, uh, in South Carolina, in the Volvo plant in South Carolina. The Polestar Two is actually manufactured; and it's assembled in China because um, Volvo is owned by. Geely, which is a Chinese automaker, and they have a, a bunch of brands. Uh, so uh, this one is coming from China. The next, uh, the next one is going to be built in the U.S., so it bypasses some of the the tariffs on Chinese built vehicles. And you know, this one is it's a little pricey. Um, you know, it's uh, fifty nine nine is the sticker price uh, with delivery and the twelve hundred dollar metallic paint that was on this one. It came to sixty two five fifty. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this is this is a car that's tr- clearly trying to compete with um, with the Model Three, and you know I, I think you know it's not it's not fully competitive. I mean, the Model Three does outdo it in a number of ways. You know, certainly in terms of range and and you know the Model Three performance will will outrun it by a bit. Um, but you know, if you want an electric car with you know decent range. That is a little different, you know. If you want, if you know, if you don't want to be, you know, driving the the Silicon Valley Camry, uh, which is really what the Model Three <laughs> is now, uh, you know, if you want, if you want something unique, you know, then you know, this is definitely something you should consider. Yeah. I'm All right. Fan. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shall we get to some news? Um, yes, we shall. So, where shall what, what should we start with? The uh, the Infinity, the QX60. Yeah, let's um, go QX60. Okay. So, uh, as we record uh, earlier today, Infinity um, revealed the new QX60, which is their three row crossover. It is Infinity's version of the Nissan Pathfinder. Um, we haven't driven it yet. We've only seen it. What do you guys think of it so far, based on what you can see? 
On my first impressions were that I liked it. I think the styling is good. Um, you know, Infinity is a luxury brand, so it has to look sort of sleek and sexy and look like you paid what you paid for that car. Um, <laughs> and it, when you look at the exterior, is beautiful. The interior looks stunning. They have a couple of photos in the, with the the quilted leather, and it has this very rich, sleek feeling to it. Um, I I think it looks great, and from what they're saying about what it's going to have. It has like a V6 and, and a nine speed automatic. And it's, you know, it's, it feels like it's going to look and drive nicely. Um, you know, until we actually get our hands on it, who really knows? But my first impression was a positive one. Yeah. Well, yeah. you and I have both driven the Pathfinder and mm -hmm. you know, this has the same powertrain that's in the Pathfinder. It's the same right. suspension. It'd probably be tuned slightly differently, but you know, it's basically the same tuned, thing. I think you would tune it to be a little bit more, little smoother. I mean, the luxury cars have that yeah. certain amount of, uh, like I always think of it as float, you know, they float over bumps. Like you feel the bump, but it's never bump bump. It's just, whoo, it's like these little, <laughs> so I would think they would tune it a little bit more smoothly, but who knows? Yeah. But no, I like think, the pathfinder. So oh. I, I would imagine I would like this, you know? I, yeah, I, I can, I concur. Um, it is. Yeah. It, it, I like the way it looks. I think that the profile is really nice. Um, I, yeah, and it does evoke that, that the sort of, um, that luxury that infinity is going for and really Nissan is going for and the interior, I, I do like the little quilted diamonds. Um, oh, I love that on the dashboard. Yeah, the way the there's that little panel. It of makes quilting. you want to yeah. just touch them. Just, just to play with them. Like they should yeah. pop like bubble wrap. Yeah. Like bubble wrap. <laughs> They're the bubble wrap of pop, car. Pop, 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 pop. And That's I, not very luxury car, but it would amuse me. <laughs> I kind of like the way the, 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 uh, the infotainment screen sort of emerges out of those little, <laughs> those little, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what do you, I guess diamonds. Um, yeah, no, I think, you know, Nissan needs some wins and fit. So which, which, so, you know, infinity needs wins. And I think, uh, just from, from the look, um, I think this is, uh, going to do well for them. Um, you know, of course we still have to drive it. I might drive it and hate the, and hate the steering. So who knows? I know we'll pull up this, this <laughs> yeah, old yeah. episode and say, remember You'll... when you guys like that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> One, I mean, it's, it's interesting that they did abandon the, um, uh, the the two uh, the two screen infotainment system that they've had in many of their vehicles over I can't remember if the QX the old QX60 had that dual screen system I don't think it did but uh, but this one you know they're 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 moving to you know the single screen you know stand up tablet type of layout that you see on most modern vehicles now um, and uh, so you know it's, it's a little more conventional looking but you know this thing you know it has a lot of the same kinds of neat features that are on the pathfinder like those second row seats that you know when when you need to get into the third row the second row seats you know the whole thing flips forward you know you don't have to fold it down and then slide it forward the whole thing just tilts up and forward so if you have a you know a car seat in there you can leave the car seat in you don't have to remove the car seat to get into the third row uh things like that um the the exterior styling, you know, I, I thought was interesting when I saw it, uh, saw it on, during a backgrounder last week. It immediately reminded me of a, a cross between uh, the Lincoln Navigator and, you know, contemporary, you know, the, the newer Mazdas like the CX-30 and the Mazda 3, you know, which have that very smooth, you know, um, body sides, you know, kind of 
sculpted, but no sharp edges on it. You know, and then moving to this wraparound look at the the rear pillar on this thing. You know, uh, very much like the uh, like the Navigator. Um, moving away, from, they're they're. You know, I was on this call with uh, Alfonso Abaya, the head of design for for Nissan, and asked him. You know, Nissan's for the last decade or so have had this this look. You know, to the C pillar, the, the rear pillar. You know, where they've got kind of a hook in there, and I, I don't, I can't remember the term they used for it, but they're they're getting rid of that, and then this is the look we're going to see on Infinities going forward. What do you think of that? I think it looks good. I like that it's. You know, we were talking about the joking about making things look like an SUV and that, you know, you put red on it and suddenly it's sport. I feel like the luxury brands are going to, okay, what we do to make our car look like luxury is you have to remove all the creases. You have to make everything really smooth. You have to sort of make it all sleek and rounded. That's, that's the elegance, the luxury vibe that they're all giving. So I agree with you. And I think it looks good. I do think it's an improvement. And I think if that's the way that they're going, Sam, if that's the direction, I think it's a positive direction one that's going to bring more people to the brand as opposed to sort of something that almost looks a little dated, like last year's luxury. This looks like where luxury cars are going. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think it's attractive. I think it's a good move. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and I, you know what I do like, I like the, uh, I feel like more like automakers are sort of like they, they went maybe a little too far in with the displays, you know, dual displays, you know, three displays, 12 displays, I don't know, however many displays. And so you're getting people have finally like, you know, we don't need a display to adjust the climate control. You know, people want, I want to be able to just turn something for the volume and I want to be able to adjust the heat and the cold and, you know, we're still going to have a lot of displays in the EVs, but I think for 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 luxury vehicles, I mean, just I think you know, I think it's it's going to make uh, people happy. I think it's it was uh, maybe uh, everyone a little went a little bit too in on display with the dual display stuff, and I, I'm happy that they they saw the display that people want and people need, but also tangible things that people can touch. I know it costs more, and you can't update it, but luxury of. but how often do you actually need to update your climate control interface exactly I mean, I you know if you do it right <laughs> it should be good for the life of the car so what's what do you want to do well i want it to get hot but i also want it to get cold and i want the fan to be like low oh, or off if only but also higher it. <laughs> yeah. after between after that like well, i want the fan to be well, variable and i want to either get hot or cold or just at least keep the same temperature Okay. But yeah. At least, at least in the Polestar, you can just say, "Hey, gee, you know, set the temperature to seventy-two degrees, or it's too hot, you know, and it'll turn down the temperature for you." You know what I want every temperature system to have. So when you set it to auto and you set it really cold because it's say your car is really hot and there's only one, like it can only come out high speed, like blowing your face off kind of air. I'm like, <laughs> I want the ice cold. But can I, some of them are like, you can have high, medium, and low. I want a low amount of cold air blowing at my face. Not like I have just walked into the Arctic during a blizzard. I just want to, I want it ice cold, <laughs> but not that much of it. I want them all to have a button that has high, medium, and low. That would make me, yep. that's what I, that's all I want from my climate control. Just let me adjust the fan while still keeping it freezing cold. Yeah, they have the auto with high, medium, low. Like Ford has it. I think Hyundai has it as well, where you can like, oh, I want it, you know, to be 62 yes. degrees, but I don't want it 62. To, while, while you're getting there, I don't want to feel like I'm standing behind a prop, a propeller. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 
Exactly. Like, I want you to do your best to make it 62 while not blowing the hair off of my head in the process. Can we just turn down the fan level? Blowing just hair behind yeah. you. Yeah. That's all I want. And, and, and of course, you know, the, the QX60 as a new luxury um, SUV must have a larger grill. But, you know, it's still comparatively modest relative to another grill that we saw this week. The, uh, the 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 twenty two Toyota Tundra the uh, the Tundra is finally getting a redesign and uh, a photo of it leaked out this week and um, this thing's got a serious grill. It what, does. what 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 do you what can we say about this grill? Is big. <laughs> it looks like a bulldog. A little like and then I can have like a bulldog like a mouse just sort of disappears into the underside of the dog. I kind of feel like it does that. And then it has the eyes and it looks like, like it's almost crying because it has those vents underneath. Like, yeah. It's a crying bulldog. It's so. And then it just sort of they extended with the black bumper. So it just looks I the giant. I don't know. Yeah. I, all I can think about giant, is the, there's that giant, the giant like, Toyota bar underneath it, like the Toyota, in case you didn't know Toyota. And there's that light bar underneath it, which makes it. Look like I don't. There's that like it's a lot. It's almost the the length of the word Toyota. It's so big, that light bar. I don't know what's up with that. They should make it red and have a it's... little thing go back and forth. So it's Night Rider and or oh yeah, like Kit. Oh, perfect. Yeah, you know, have it have it be programmable. Make it you know whatever color you want. And you know what's yeah yeah. Just have like a little disco. You can change the color based on the season. It can be pink at Easter. Aww. It can be orange at Halloween. <laughs> I think we you know, actually. I, I don't think Toyota's problem. Actually, I, I don't think they actually. I don't think they actually can do that. I think it's illegal because um, last year oh. when we saw at the uh, the GM EV day when we saw the uh, Cadillac Lyric for the first time, you know, it's got the light up uh, Cadillac logo in the in the front. Uh, but it was only in white. It didn't have any of the, the colors that are usually in the Cadillac Shield logo. And I asked why, you know, why they did it that way. And said that because of um, uh, motor vehicle, uh, federal motor vehicle safety regulations, all the lights, except for turn signals, all the other lights on the front have to be white. So, oh, on the front. I was uh, going to say, well, they, what about people that do all the crazy? But don't people do colored stuff like around their headlights and stuff? I feel like there's aftermarket uh, stuff. Like you've seen them glow. Oh, aftermarket, yeah. I mean, but that doesn't necessarily so mean they're it's legal. legal? Oh, okay. okay. Um, but no, I guess. Do you ever see anyone getting pulled over? No. You see those no, like but, people who've tweaked out their yeah. So okay. But, I'm like wait, you know, the, the factory couldn't. The factory the couldn't do that. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there will be somebody that will offer you know an aftermarket replacement for this light bar that uh, yeah. that lets you do the. You know, pick your colors and, you know, do whatever else you want, whatever flashing patterns you want to use, you know. I'm <laughs> sure, there, I'm sure there will be people. I was going to say, you I'm can sure blind on coming traffic. Blind them. I, I'm sure that there will be those, you know, that will buy this thing, you know, and set it up as a strobe, you know, just to try to uh, to trigger people that, um, you know, have epilepsy. Seizure disorders. You know, trying to, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit much. Uh, we don't know anything else specific about this truck yet. Uh, it should be released in full uh, in the next week or two, I think. Um, and 
Yeah, well, we'll just we'll talk. We'll come back to it later, maybe. <laughs> you can kind of see the word tundra. That's on. It's like on the top of the bumper. That's also black. Um, in there. Oh yeah, if you like really stare. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, but, it's, but it's really like Toyota. But they don't. It, it's the same yeah. font, so it's not like Raptor or Ford, where it's just like this yeah. big strong font. It's just like Toyota and. It, well, and yeah. you know what's really tiny? If you look on the hood, the TRD Pro thing, teeny tiny little indicator. Look on the hood. It's oh, hey. wee little Pro. It's the wee little tiny. On those vents at the Katie's, back by the windshield? Yeah, can yeah. you see it? It's just like teeny, teeny, tiny. <laughs> so maybe this is the grill that'll be on the, the TRD Pro. Maybe. But it'll be less so maybe, grill maybe the, on maybe the, the other versions will have something a little more sedate. Like a, sedate. You can only hope. It wouldn't yeah. take much to be more sedate. Like, it would take very little. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, on, the, on the opposite spectrum of design from this, uh, as we record this today, this morning, uh, Ferrari released their latest model, the, uh, the 296 GTB. This is the replacement for you know, their long-running series of, of V8 sports cars. Um, and uh, it's it's a little bit smaller. It has a 2.9 liter twin turbocharged V6 and a plug-in hybrid. And uh, I think it looks fantastic. What do you guys it's, think? It's it absolutely beautiful. I love it. It, it, it I it, love it. Yeah, I, I, it's it's great. It's beautiful, and it looks like a car from the future that looks cool. Because a lot of people, a lot of automakers, when they try to make the car of the future, it kind of misses the mark or it's very, I th or, or it's very uh, polarizing. I feel like everyone's going to look at this and be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't think there's anything really polarizing. I, I, well, we all like it. So there you Even go. Even the inside, did you check out the yeah. interior shots? This thing is unbelievably gorgeous. So pretty. Yeah, they, they did so a fantastic pretty. job on the inside as well. Um, you know, Beautiful shapes, beautiful looks like you know fantastic materials. The, uh, all those beautiful swooping curves on the outside carry yeah. right on through. It's just it's a stunning, stunning car. Yep. And, those Ferrari uh, people really know what they're doing, don't they? It's like they design pretty <laughs> cars or something. Like they've done this a few <laughs> yeah. times. I'm whatever. It's their jam. It's their jam. Eight, eight, it's eight hundred eight hundred and nineteen horsepower, um, and. Uh, uh, and, that, and that includes a 165 horsepower electric motor as part of that setup. Uh, so this is significantly more power. It's uh, more powerful, quite a bit more powerful than the F8 Tributo, which this uh, this replaces. It is 300 pounds heavier thanks to the the battery, but that battery also gets you 16 miles of electric driving range. So you know if you're driving this thing in European cities where you know there's a lot of a lot of cities in Europe that are creating zero emission zones in, in the city centers. Uh, you can have this thing, you know, save the battery power. And as you drive into central London or, you know, Paris, you can just switch it over to electric mode. And I, I, I don't know about, I, I can't imagine driving a, a completely silent Ferrari, but uh, I know be, that does seem a little bit broken, doesn't it? That it's yeah. not yeah. going to make, have a, Glorious, no, yeah, that that what he just did. That it's not going to have that. <laughs> going to have the Ferrari gong. Yes. Still, but, uh, I mean, you're driving it. Every, it, I don't even think you need the sound. People are going to see it and be like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Just the look of it. Doesn't, My gosh. Doesn't matter beautiful. what it sounds like. Really, yeah. it could yeah. sound like anything. Who the heck cares if it looks like that? That's true. <laughs> yep. Wow. All right. Next up. 
Nicole and I uh, each took uh, separate trips to Austin, <laughs> Texas this week. And uh, we were there to drive the Ford Bronco. And, yes, um, we were. The we had, actual Bronco, sli- not the Bronco Sport. Yes, the, the real Bronco. The big Bronco. The, uh, the, the big real, real. For real, real. The real, yeah. real deal. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And we had uh, slightly differing opinions of this thing. So why don't you go first, Nicole? Only and then I'll tell you why you're wrong. do we have? Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't drive the Bronco, so I get to play referee today. Here we go. Yeah, he just and... goes up there in the back and goes, stop fighting. Um, I No, first of all, I really liked it. I thought it was great. I like how it looks. And off-road, I loved it. And there's some off-road features in this thing that are amazing. And I'm going to mess up the name of it, but there's like a trailer, I mean, a turn control. Tur- tr- oh, look it up, Sam. You've tra- always got Trailer everything. turn assist. There's a turn. Trailer, tra- trailer trail, turn No, trail uh, turn Trail turn assist. Yes. And it, it, it basically, like if you have a really tight corner, you just push a button on the dashboard and it kind of lets you almost pivot on the inside rear wheel. It's like you can do donuts. One guy called it the donut button because if you just push yeah. that button and you hit the gas and you just crank the wheel and it has to be, all, it's not just like you do a light turn to the right or a light turn to the left. You have to sort of peg it as far to the right as it'll go or as far to the left and then it will engage and it like really lets you just like pivot right around something so if you have a tight turn that's cool that was a cool feature and you could use that on some of the off-road driving that we did and it worked beautifully i like that um i thought that was amazing and it's it what it does is it locks up the inside rear wheel so as soon as you turn the wheel all the way to to lock on either side then it'll lock it'll lock the inside rear wheel so it, it just it won't spin and the other wheels will just drive around it yeah, so you just like sit on that wheel and whoop, you pivot. It's really cool. Um, and then they also had a semi-hydraulic sway bar disconnect. Did I get that right, Sam? Did I get the whole thing mm-hmm. in there? Um, so instead of it being just mechanical because of the semi-hydraulic thing, which I believe the Bronco is the only vehicle that has that right now in its little class, you can you don't have to worry about like, okay, that looks like I'm going to need to disconnect that. I should do that before I attack that area. You can be in the middle of it and say, oh, I need to disconnect this. Boom. And you can do it. So you're not limited to when you do it. Whenever you want to do that, go ahead and do that. Which if you're a hardcore off-roader is a pretty neat feature. I honestly don't know how many people are that hardcore. Like I always wonder when these vehicles have all these features, how many people that have this are actually going to need this. But if you do need it, it was very cool. Um, so well, my neighbor across the street with his 97 Wrangler, he, he would love stuff like this. Yeah. He, See? he, right. he so, doesn't, he doesn't drive it. He doesn't drive the Wrangler on the road. He flat toes it behind his RV to go to places to drive it, you know, in the kind of environment See, we were like, driving it. Yeah. So for that guy, that guy is going to love these features and on the off-road, I really did think it was brilliant. It handled beautifully. It did everything that you would have hoped a Bronco would do. And then some, uh, you know, they had us going through water. It had rained. So things were really slick. You had that, like it was in Austin, Texas. You had that slick mud on these rocks as you're trying to climb out of the water, even climbing up some sort of like rock face, you know, the big, huge rock slopes. It's just Mm -hmm. one giant rock that you have to crawl up. It's like, sure, sure. No problem. Um, it handled fantastic off-road. So off-road, I loved it. Uh, thumbs up. Yeah, Roberta just gave it a thumbs up. On road, I had my issues. I I didn't hate it, um, but I wasn't as impressed. I found I dr- that I had a soft top. It was loud enough that I honestly thought for a second, like, wait, 
is this not closed entirely? Like, is something not secured? Did somebody take a look at something before I hopped in this and didn't really like push everything back down in place? But no, it was all secure. I found it. I found it loud in the soft top. Uh, the hard top was better, definitely, but the soft top was, it was really loud. I was surprised by how loud it was. Um, and I also found it, and I did not have the Sasquatch, Sasquatch package on either one. I found it a little bit unwieldy at times on the road. Uh, if you're taking, especially in the four-door, when I was taking... Uh, they had us doing some really nice little twisty roads, which was sort of fun in the two door. It worked in the four door. I felt like I was, I felt like I was having to brake harder than I would have expected and, and to get the speed down to scrub off more speed than I wanted. Or I felt like it was a little rolly. I felt like there was more roll than I wanted. So I, w I did not like it's on road manners as much as I hoped. And I think part of it was I had really super duper high expectations for this. I, I just did because I knew that Ford has worked so hard on this and it's a huge, big deal. So I think I set my expectations somewhere in the stratosphere. I probably needed to dial those back in a little bit. Uh, Off-road, loved it, loved it, loved it. It was unbelievable. On-road, not so much. And now Sam's going to tell you the wrong thing. Go, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, totally agree with everything you said about the, the off-road behavior. I mean, it, it was really impressive, you know, some of the stuff it went through. And, you know, the, um, the sway bar disconnect that you mentioned. Jeep also offers a sway bar disconnect on the Wrangler, but it's, I think their mechanism is a little different. Uh, but you can, you can also engage it at any time. And, you know, what it does is, you know, um, particular, but it, I think it's actually more effective on the Bronco than it is on the Wrangler because the Wrangler still has a, a solid front axle. Whereas the Bronco's got independent front suspension. And so what it does is it allows the wheels to move more relative to each other. Um, so, you know, they had this demo, you know, where you're going over some, some big dirt moguls, you know, and you get it into a position where it was up, you know, basically on two wheels and then disconnect the, uh, the sway bar. And, you know, it the front kind of drops down because all of a sudden, you know, the... Um, you know, the other wheel can drop down and, you know, get the ground so you can get more traction that way. Uh, and that worked really, really well. And the trailer, the trail turn assist is also a, a really great feature. Um, you know, another feature that I've found really useful uh, off-roading was the, uh, the, you know, the cameras. You know, if you get the, mm. if you get the optional 12-inch uh, display, uh, the, the standard display is an eight, the same 8-inch display that's in the Bronco Sport. But if you get the 12-inch uh, sync four system. It's got surround view cameras and, uh, you know, most, most of the time with surround view camera systems, uh, on, on other vehicles, you know, the, they have to, by law, they have to turn them off at like, I think four miles an hour, three or four miles an hour. Uh, so once you start moving, you know, they have to turn them off. So it's not distracting you. But in the Bronco, when you're in one of the off-road modes, so if you're in normal mode, they, they, they will turn off. The cameras will turn off right away. But if you're in uh, one of the off-road modes, like mud and ruts and, or you know, the, um, you know, the, the sand or other, other off-road modes, they will stay on until you get to about 20 miles an hour. And you know, when you're going off-roading, that's actually really, really useful because especially, you know, the, the, you know, one of those big rocks that you were describing, uh, on the, 
uh, on the the ghost pepper trail, I think is probably the, yes, I, I it was that's ghost probably pepper, the one you're referring yes, the to. Spicy trail. And, <laughs> yeah, when when you go up, uh, you know, you're at about a 25 degree angle, you know, going up uh, this thing, and you, know, you because the hood is flat, you know, it's pretty horizontal. You can't see anything that's in front of you, uh, you know, because you know a lot of these hills are relatively short, so you can't see where the end of it is. But with that camera on, you can see exactly where you are and what's in front of you. And you can switch modes between the different cameras. So you can have the straight-ahead front camera view. You can have the surround view. And there's, there's a view that, show, that splits the screen and shows you the two front wheels. So you can see exactly where you're placing your front wheels, uh, which is, can be really handy. I like really that view. I actually use that. Yeah, there were a couple of spots where the rocks were really tight on some of those. And you kind of looked at it and you thought, okay, I know they wouldn't be taking me here if this car didn't fit, <laughs> but it yeah. doesn't look like it should fit. And you, and you, when you, I use that mode where you can see the wheels and suddenly you can see like, no, actually I'm okay here. Like I do have some space on either side of me so that it definitely does make the cameras make those tight spots and the, I'm only seeing sky above me. What the heck is in front of me when I come down off of this spots, much less disconcerting and much easier to manage. Yeah. Nor- normally in situations like that, when you're off-roading, you know, you would have a spotter, you know, you, you know, you'd have, if, if you're ideally, you're not going out on trails like that on your own, you know, you've either got right. somebody's riding with you or you've got, you know, multiple, you've got a group of people in, in their, their SUVs, you know, and so, you know, somebody will get out and spot, you know, and guide you to where, where you need to go. Um, but, uh, you know, with this, you can almost get by without having a spotter, which is, which is really handy. Um, and you know, the, the other thing, uh, you know, one of the, the cool things we did on during this event was they have this, uh, what they call the, uh, the fun haver course, uh, this dirt trail, um, you know, and, uh, they had, uh, uh, a couple of special drivers there, uh, including uh, Vaughn Gittin Jr. Uh, was there doing hot laps with us. You know, so we got to do hot lap around this this dirt trail, and uh, you know the, the the thing I noticed, you know, at relatively you know surprisingly high speeds, you know, given the kind of conditions we were in, you know, there was surprisingly little head toss in this thing. You know, it, it was you know the body control was really good. You know, so. It was, you know, keeping the body stable even while the wheels were moving around, you know, over all these bumps and, and berms and everything. And so it was it was a surprisingly comfortable ride uh, doing that. And it was a lot of fun, too. Um, did, did you did you drive any of them um, on the off-road uh, trails uh, with the, the doors and the roof off, so completely open air? I did not. Every time I tried to get in one that had, you know, open air, somebody else was faster, you know, to, to yeah. get to it. So I didn't, so I did not manage to get one. I, I rolled my windows down. Does that count? That's as close <laughs> as I got. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's, de- it's definitely a fun experience driving open air. And, you know, one of the advantages with the Bronco over the Wrangler, um, on the Wrangler, if you take the doors off, um, you know, the mirrors are mounted on the doors. So when you take the doors off, you have no mirrors. Um, on the Bronco, they've mounted the mirrors on the, the fenders, uh, just ahead of the doors, like at the base of the A pillar. So even when you take the doors off, the mirrors are still there. So you can, it's a lot, lot easier to, uh, to get around that way. Um, when you can still see the, see what's behind you. Um, 
on the Let road. Interject. Um, they, they also have interject something about the doors too. One of the neat things about yeah. them is not in the two door, but in the four door, they have a little storage system. So each door has its own little bag that it goes into and they're each labeled. So you know, which door goes in which bag. So you know what's in there and then they fit in a certain order in the back, like standing up and you fit them all in the back and they have this fancy harness thing that secures them in place. So instead of having to take your doors off at point A, do your driving, come back to point A to come retrieve your doors, you could technically take your doors off, you know, put them in the back and keep venturing out and not have to return to where you were. You can just take them with you. Um, and it's just a four-door thing, not a two-door thing, but it's kind of a neat, it takes up the entire cargo area. So you couldn't really take anything else with you unless you had a rack, you know, had something else that you yeah. were doing. But, um, it, it was neat that you can take the doors with you. I thought that was kind of a neat feature, although they are, they are heavy. I, I don't know what the weight difference is between yeah, they're, the Wrangler they're, they're, doors and the, the Wrangler doors are were. heavier. Um, these, these are about the, the doors on the four door Bronco are about 40 pounds each. Um, so they're, you know, they're, they're fairly hefty, but they're, they're not, terribly hard to take off yeah. um, you know there's only two bolts yep. for each one they're pretty easy to take off and and then put back on um the the wheel arches you know um if you the the, the fender arches are are also easily removed there's like five quarter turn although it makes uh, you feel like you're breaking something them. the guy's like here just flip yeah. here 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 and here and pull i'm like just just yank it off. Oh, I feel like that's not something yep. you should do <laughs> and you just pull it off the car and there it is you got a fender in your hands <laughs> yep um, so, and you know, there's, they're going to have, you know, tons of accessories available, including, uh, tube doors, tube frame doors, uh, that you can put on there. So, um, you know, if you're into that, you know, that there's all that kind of, a lot of the same kind of stuff that you can get, you know, for, that they've had for Wranglers for years. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Ford has worked, you know, with, uh, various accessory makers to, to have that stuff ready for, uh, for the launch, um, on the road, um, on the on the drive up from Austin up to uh, where the the off rodeo course is, um, I had a two door first edition with a hard top, and um, I had a quite a different experience with it than you did. Uh, apparently, um, I, I was actually really surprised at how how quiet it was. You know, I was expecting it to be a lot louder because you know the shape of this thing it's quite boxy. You know, I figured there was going to be quite a bit of wind noise and and certainly a lot of tire noise from those big all-terrain tires. And you could you could did hear you the tires the a bit. Did you drive the soft top at all? Did you drive a soft did. top on well, the road? I did. Well, I didn't drive the soft top okay. on the road. Only only off-road. You didn't. Okay. So I yeah, so I I should have done that. Um but I, I didn't get a chance to do that. But um driving the the hard the two-door hard top uh, you know, there was, you know, you could, you got a little bit of the tire rumble, but not nearly as much as I anticipated given, you know, the type of tires that are on there and very little wind noise as well. Uh, so it was actually quite a pleasant ride. And, you know, from that respect, apparently quite different from the soft top. Uh, and I, I have a feeling that the, the four door soft top might actually be the worst case scenario just because of how long that top mechanism, that top is, you know, it, it is pretty long. Uh, and so I guess it wouldn't surprise me if there was a fair bit of drumming from the, the top and, and wind noise, <clears throat> you know, because it's a multi-piece top. Um, but the, uh, the, the hard top, uh, you know, is, is also fairly easy to remove. Um, uh, but, uh, it, you know, it, 
it's not something that you can store in the vehicle like you can, you know, with the soft top. The soft top, you can fold it back, you know, basically like a convertible. It's, it's a little more complicated th- process than a Miata, but, you know, but it's not, it's not too ridiculous. Um, so you can put the top back and drive, you know, when you get to your destination and go open air. But um, on road, you know, I, I thought it was quite good, you know, and, you know, on those big 35-inch tires, you know, it's, it does feel... Uh, you know, it's not, it's not like driving a Mustang, you know, on did a twisty you, road, you know, did there, you, there is, a, you know, some squishiness. Did you drive the four door on road? Uh, Me, I, I did not. Am. Okay. So, cause her, her, I, I think, I, I think Nicole's issue tried, is that the four door on yeah. the road was where she was having, you know, the, the, yeah, cause I actually, and, yeah, I had, um, I drove because there was like you drove halfway, you went down to this little ramp to the water and then you drove back. I didn't or drove continue the drive and it was like almost like a split time wise. When I got to that halfway point, I was with someone else. I had the four door soft top and she had a two door hard top. We swapped cars. So I got half Uh the drive in a four door soft top and half the drive in a two door hard top. I would agree with you that the two door hard top is definitely it was more composed and much quieter. Um, so that was a very different, and even driving it, we, we, here was the thing when we were driving, initially she happened to be leading in the two door. I was following in the four and I felt like she kept pulling away from me all the time. Like I was consistently like, why am I feel like I'm like, can't keep up with her? Like, why do I feel like, because I was having to slow down so much in the corners to feel like I kept control and felt confident in the car. When we swapped, she was still leading the way, but now she had the four door. Suddenly I'm right on her butt because I'm able to go a little bit faster. So there was definitely a different, like her drive style changed as well. She was driving a little mm-hmm. more conservatively once she got in that four door. And she's like, I can see what, so, and she noticed a similar thing and she noticed the no, the road noise, but I definitely, a whole, it was a very different experience between the two and the four and the hard and the soft. I wish we'd had more time to try on-road stuff in various configurations, you know? Yeah, unfortunately, it was a, a relatively short turnaround on the trip, and we didn't yeah. get a whole lot of time. The um, Nicole, have you been in the four-door, a four-door Wrangler with the soft top? Yes. So was it louder or quieter than the four-door Wrangler? To me, it seemed like the Wrangler was louder. And I'm not talking about the, you know, the tire noise. You know, you get big knobby tires on anything, you know you have those tires. It wasn't so. It was more the wind noise. Like like I said, that soft top in the Bronco, it was on right. I even checked when I got there. I'm like, you guys, is this on right? They're like, yeah, yeah, you're good. So Because I thought, am I missing something? Is there a flap that's up somewhere that I'm missing and it's making the noise? Nope, there wasn't. I, you know, you still know in a Wrangler, you know you're in a soft top, no doubt. And it's yeah. not like it's quiet. Um, I felt like it was quieter than the, than the Bronco. And okay. I think I was expecting okay. the same kind of quiet from the Bronco. Like I had this expectation because they're trying to, they're not trying to meet Wrangler. They're trying to beat Wrangler. So I think yeah. I had this expectation it would be better than, and I, mm-hmm. and I, and I didn't think it was better than in that regard, like not, you know what I mean? That what that thing I'm like, if you're doing a lot of on road, this would not be the best choice. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, they, they did have a, a pair of Wranglers there for some comparison. Um, they had a, a two-door um, uh, a two-door uh, soft top and a four-door hard top. And, uh, you know, I, 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 took, I took one of them out. I took the, the four-door hard top out just to, you know, do a short drive down the road. Um, you know, and it definitely 
you know, this is the, the ride quality in that one did not feel as composed as at least the two door Bronco. Uh, you know, I can't speak to the on road behavior of the four door. I'll, I'll take your word for it, Nicole, that, that that one definitely didn't feel as good. Um, but you know, just, you know, the, the, the live axles at both ends of the, the Wrangler, it just, the whole thing, you know, felt a little bit bouncier to me than the, uh, than the Bronco did. Um, but, uh, you know, in the past, you know, when I've, when I've driven the, the current generation Wrangler, you know, it, it, you know, it was pretty good. You know, certainly the, it's, it's, the current generation Wrangler is a lot better than prior generations. Um, but, I, you know, to me, it, it didn't feel quite as good. Now, you know, I haven't, I haven't driven a four-door soft top uh, yet. The, the couple of times I've had Wranglers, it were both uh, hard tops. Uh, one time was a full hard top. One, the other time was the uh, hard top with the um, the retractable fabric sunroof. I forget the freedom roof the or sky, whatever it is they call sky it. Sky one touch thing, or is that what it is? Yeah, or? yeah. What, whatever, whatever yeah. that that fabric. Whatever uh, they call it. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and you know that one. You know that one was was quite. You know, did was quiet. You know, it, I didn't have any issues with wind noise in that thing. At least when it was closed. Um, but uh, you know, I think. On the road, you know, to me, the the hard top, you know, hard top to hard top, I, I think the Bronco is quieter. But so, the soft top comparison, it I I'll I'll take your word for it that the the Bronco, the four door Bronco so, uh, soft top was was significantly louder, and I can I can yeah. see why the it hard, would be. Yeah, the hard tops, the hard top wasn't as much. It wasn't as like oh my god, the hard top is loud. But that soft top, that was that was the major like thumbs down for me that that soft top felt really loud it was really loud okay did you get a chance to try the manual oh i did not i did not did you get to drive the manual i did i went for a short drive in the manual uh last like after lunch uh just before we headed out um and uh i was less impressed than that one with that one than i had hoped i I thought that would just because the the shift quality of the manual was you know, it was a little notchy and it wasn't quite as much fun to, to shift what? as the, uh, as the automatics. I, I think, you know, with the manual, you do get a lower crawler gear. It's like a 95 to one crawler gear. Uh, but, um, you know, I think, you know, what you get with the automatics is, is probably more than sufficient. What, what, what transmission is in the manual? Do you know offhand? It's a, it's a get drag. Oh, so it's, it's a, <laughs> It's basically a six-speed Getrag with, uh, you know, with an extra, you know, ultra-low crawler gear. All right. Um, one, one, other, one other thing about the, uh, the Bronco um, is, uh, <clears throat> you know, going, you know, picking between uh, two-wheel drive, um, four high and four low is a hell of a lot easier in the, in the Bronco because it's all electronically switched. Uh, if you've driven a Wrangler, Shifting that thing from two to four high to four low is kind of a pain in the neck. Um, whereas you know, in the Bronco, just press a button on the on the goat mode knob. I you yeah, know I, that, I, I that was really cool. I wonder about that. I wonder if they they've kept it like that because it still sort of harkens back to that old school sort of because it's it, it, they can make it uh, electronic. Um, 
but I, I wonder if they keep it that way. I, I just so you I, have I, I that second. They probably so you do. have Isn't that. Is that is that that like people want that feel, the visceral feel of like kachunk, you are in four high, kachunk, you are in four low. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I it think could... so. I think it's like the F one fifty, like they when the you know they still has the shifter knob, and they're like, oh, the shifter knob folds down, so you can do something. Or they could just change the shifter like no 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 they, they found out that the customers just really do a push button shifter on the console yeah. on the dash yeah. Yeah. They, they they the the customers really like the shifter knob so i wonder if wrangler uh customers really like having that you know four-wheel drive four-wheel low you know uh two-wheel high etc on the in the car they, i wonder if that's sort of a they probably do a throwback the the one other downside to the bronco is <clears throat> the fuel economy is pretty bad um yeah i uh, can't remember what the EPA numbers are, but on the drive up from Austin in the two door, uh, and that was with the 2.7 liter V6, um, it averaged uh, just about 16 miles per gallon, which, it, you know, is not that impressive to say the least. Oof. Yeah. It's, I don't think you're buying this for fuel economy. I mean, you really almost no. can't even like. You're buying this for its capability, fuel economy, be damned, kind of. <laughs> or to look cool. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of Jeeps in my neighborhood um, out here in the, in, the, in the burbs that I don't, they look really cool, but I don't think they go off road very often. <laughs> I think there's, yeah, you know. The, uh, the, four, the four cylinder Broncos rated at 21 miles per gallon combined. It's 20, 20 city, 22 highway. And, uh, and what did you say you got? How close were you to that? I, I got 16, but that was with the V6. Um, so let me oh. see what that one is rated at. Ooh, I'm getting, I'm, I'm looking too, and I'm like, oh, no, that trim is even more abysmal. That's, that's ni- <laughs> 19. It's 19 combined, so, and I got 16. So, Ooh, um, you know, yeah, it's <clears throat> the, the fuel economy is not great. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, you know, it's probably not what most Bronco customers are yeah. going to be interested in. It's yeah, not why so. anybody's buying that. The, if you really want fuel economy, then you can get the Wrangler 4 by e Plug-in hybrid? Yeah. Or the plug-in hybrid. But as soon as that, as yeah. soon as that battery's dead, but, you're down to 20 miles per gallon. But for yeah, the 20 true. miles where you have that battery. You're like, yeah, you're living the dream. <laughs> or throw or it if, you're really, if, you're really concerned, if you're really concerned about fuel economy, get the Bronco Sport. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you give it a fine, whatever, buy it. <laughs> what, what am I getting right now in the Bronco Sport? I haven't, I, I, it was all Better all, than what we got in the Bronco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure yeah. it is better than what you got in the Bronco. So, so I think generally, if you're getting a soft top on any of these, you, you should probably expect some, some, some wind noise. Um, I was surprised at how little wind noise, I mean, it still had wind noise for the uh, 4xE, uh, the four door with the, with the uh, soft top. Uh, compared to like a soft top I had in Hawaii, uh, the previous generation, which is like, <laughs> like the whole time. So they've gotten I like better. The, I like the new, the, I, I think it's, I might be inventing this name. I think it's called like the Sky One Touch or something or close to that. And it is I, that, I, I think, it's not really a soft top. It's it. just the, I think I've got the right name, um, but it's just that like center portion that retracts all the way back and you can do it up to pretty high speeds. You can retract it and, and then, you know, open and close it. That one's the quietest of the lot. Maybe yeah. it's like a little bit best of both worlds. You get your, you get your soft top, you can open and close it on a whim and it's not as loud as a full on soft top, yeah. you know? Yeah. Get the hard top. Just get the hard top. And then when you want to take it off, no. take it off. Yeah. I can never do the hard, cause you'd have to like take it off and store it. I always, place. I always think you of the soft top. You need burly men to help you do it. And... 
I think of the soft top as like a um, an invitation to thieves. <laughs> Just slice through it, <laughs> reach in, grab your. I don't know, whatever you keep in your car. You shouldn't... You're not supposed to leave precious things in your vehicle, yeah, don't Roberto. leave anything did you, in your car. Did no one ever tell you this? Leave nothing in your vehicle. It is the Sunrider soft top. No, that's not the one I'm thinking of. The, the, the Sunrider is the whole soft top. Oh, no, this is the, the Sunrider is like the whole right. thing. Yeah. Wait. You're right. It is the Sky One Touch. Yes. Okay. You're right, I, th- I knew there was Sky in there. I'm like, Sky, yeah, Sky One Touch. That's the one that I like for the Wrangler. That one's like not really a hard top, not really a soft top. It's like the just right. It's the best of both worlds. Goldilocks. It's, got, it's the Goldilocks. It's, it's, Goldilocks it's kind of like the, uh, the sunroof they used to have on the uh, Beatles back in the day. They had that same oh, kind yeah. of fold back soft top. Oh, except this one's powered. Yeah. 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 Yes. There you go. All right. All right. So enough Bronco. Um, they'll they'll be in dealers momentarily. Um, they're they're shipping. I think the out. first one delivered on Tuesday, supposedly. Any day now. Just go to dealer and wait uh, in line. <laughs> all right. So uh, we've got a couple of listener questions. Uh, first one from uh, Coach Cabrera uh, on Twitter. Will hybrid motors ever make it to the three-quarter or one-ton diesel pickup trucks? Probably not. Mm. Uh, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think. You, I don't think you're going to see a diesel hybrid. I don't see the value of a diesel hybrid because you have the torque already. You have the yeah. It seems. Uh, it seems like a lot of work for a small market um, to do. I don't know something. I guess it's yeah. I don't think it's it's yeah. Yeah, I mean Same. the 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 main the main reason for for getting the diesel is if you're doing a lot of towing. You know, that's that's the main advantage to the diesel is if you do a lot of towing all the time, you know, the underloaded diesel, you know, the fuel economy doesn't drop off nearly as much as it does with a gas engine or a hybrid powertrain for that matter. And adding a hybrid to that is going to add cost and weight. It's not going to give you any advantage in towing. In fact, it may well make your towing worse. Uh, depending on how it's configured. So, yeah, you're probably not going to get uh, a, a diesel hybrid uh, HD pickup. You you will get hybrid heavy-duty pickups, just not with a diesel. It'll be with a gas engine. Yeah. And yeah. You know, th- those will be coming in the next few years, at least, at least from Ford. You won't, you won't get one from GM because uh, GM has made it very clear that they're done with hybrids. They're not doing any more hybrids. But uh, uh, Ford and actually probably Toyota. There will probably be a, a, a Tundra hybrid, I would I would think. Um, they you know they with a did a, big grill. With a very very large grill, it might it might even be a double sized grill. <laughs> but most of it'll be blocked <laughs> off. Most of it, but it'll look gigantic. It'll just be this giant piece of metal. <laughs> all, all, all you see is a grill coming at you. <laughs> That's it. It's like what is that? I don't know. It's just a grill. Ah. <laughs> All right, and the other question this week was from Big Daddy Henshaw. Uh, it says, hey, Wheel Bearings team, big-time Mazda fan. Uh, wondering what your thoughts are on Mazda rear-wheel drive platform and roadmap towards electrification. Hopefully they bring back the 6 based on the Vision Coupe concept. You, anybody have any comments on that? I don't know that I have a comment I, 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 I Mazda's kind of so late to the EV thing. And again, being late to EV isn't really that big of a, that big of a deal really because I think it's more of a it's it's less of a sprint and more of a marathon at this point because you know you still have if you're still making money as a as a as an automaker you're 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 fine um, at some point though you do have to uh, switch over 
so I don't. Yeah, it's it's hard like to sort of read the tea leaves with Mazda to see what they're how how it's going to shake out for them. Um, you know, they're they are a you know, as a Mazda fan would know, you know, they're they're always going to tune their cars a little bit more than everyone else. So you get a little bit more, you know, a nicer experience. So I think. I, w- I would like to think that their electrification plans, you know, continue that 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 heritage of, of giving you a little something something um, in terms of uh, drivability. Yeah, I don't I don't I think it would be counter to the brand to have some kind of electrification that really sacrificed the driving dynamics of those cars. That's that, you know, they're beautiful inside and out. That's part of it, but they're driver's cars and to suddenly make them not, you've thrown out half of what makes Mazda a Mazda. So when they eventually decide to get that way, you know, to go towards electrification, like you said, there's, there's like a rush, but there's not just because you aren't first right now doesn't mean that you're, you're done for, you know, there's still time to introduce all that stuff in a way that, uh, is in keeping with your brand. And my expectation is that's exactly what Mazda will eventually do. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the rear drive platform, uh, has been shown. They haven't said what cars vehicles are going to be built on it yet. Um, I have a feeling that we're going to find that out at the LA auto show in November. Uh, I think Mazda is going to be making some announcements there and that's probably where we'll find out what the first product is off that new platform. Uh, and it, you know, given that they just recently discontinued the six, um, I think you know it may well be a replacement for the six. I, I think you know it'll take design cues from the the Vision Coupe, but it it's not going to be a coupe just because there's very little market for coupes anymore. Yeah. Um, and you know, Maz, you know, Mazda, you know, is a niche brand to begin with. Um, so I I don't think we'll see it being a coupe, but I think it will. You know, I think you know we'll probably get a sedan that draws heavily on the design themes of that car, uh, you know, and, and builds on you know what we've seen already with the, the current generation Mazda three and the CX thirty, um, the uh, you know, and the, and they also have said that they're going to have a new electric platform, uh, dedicated electric platform coming in twenty twenty five. They they have the MX thirty that's going on sale this fall in the U.S. It's already been available in Europe for a little while. Uh, it's going on sale here this fall. Um, you know, that one's a relatively short-range EV. I think it's going to be like 140 miles or so range. Um, apparently, it drives really well, though. It drives like what you expect a Mazda to drive. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think the, you know, what we what we see after this next generation of cars, you know, that's where they're going to really start getting serious about electrification, despite their uh, their instincts to, to not do electrification at all. Um, but I think I think they'll probably be borrowing a lot from uh, Toyota on that in that respect, uh, you know, for for their EVs um, because Toyota owns twenty percent of Mazda now, and it wouldn't surprise me if at some point they just swallow the whole thing up. Um, but uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see, uh, you know, I think like, like you said, Nicole, I think, you know, they're going to try and keep their, their core driving DNA, driving dynamics DNA, um, and, you know, have a very premium feel to it as well. All right. I think that's it for, uh, for this show. That's uh, the end. anything else, anything else you want to add? 
No, I feel like we covered it all. And we didn't even fight too much about Bronco. I'm so gl- proud That's of true. us. I think because we, well, we were fighting uh, a little uh, more uh, offline. <laughs> like, you're wrong. Yeah. And, you know, and, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there, there wasn't, you know, you didn't get into all the details of, you know, driving, driving both. You know, it sounded more like you were. Uh, much more negative on it than you know than you actually were, ex- you know, with the exception of the four door soft top. Um, yes. But uh, uh, yeah, all right. Well, uh, thanks everybody. We will see you next time. And uh, don't forget, if you like the show, you know, give us a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts or anywhere else where they have ratings for podcasts, and tell your friends. And uh, hopefully, we'll see you uh, hear hear you again next time. Bye. 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 Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.